Welcome to Amelia Baptist Podcast, where we discuss church life, theological questions, and cultural influences. Our podcasts are available via Google, Spotify, Apple, and many other podcast platforms. We hope you subscribe and enjoy today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome to Amelia Baptist Roundtables. This is uh, Adam Page with Dylan Whitaker. In case you've forgotten, since it's been a few months since we've recorded one of these. Yes. We still do roundtables. Right. Just to let you know, <laughs> as an answer to the emails, we yes, still do yeah. roundtables. If you're watching this, yes, we are doing roundtables. <laughs> We're excited again. to be with you. I um, hope you're having a wonderful week. Uh, we are going to be talking about the end times. You might think it's kind of weird uh, to start a podcast with a conversation about the end times, as well as maybe a new year uh, resolution sort of season, but we are... Uh, with purpose uh, in this. Our church, Amelia Baptist Church here on the island, Amelia Island, we are going through a series in Revelation. We found it pertinent to have these conversations in a bit more detail. Yeah, and you know, a lot of people, their understanding of the end times uh, tends to go back to, uh, I hate to say it, but uh, bad theology. Yeah. Um, And sometimes, you know, uh, we like to think, great. When everybody's raptured, your clothes end up folded in a little nice, <laughs> neat pile over here, and people disappear. You know, yeah. and that's our understanding of Revelation and end times. So th- I'm really excited for us to jump in and dig into really what Revelation says and doesn't say yeah. about it. Yeah, I want to so. provide sort of some context of what we wanted to talk to you during uh, episode one here of season three of the Roundtables. And again, if you um, are listening now, you found a way to listen. But remember, we are uh, broadcasting these on all podcast platforms as well as on our YouTube channel, Amelia Baptist Church. And so we invite you to subscribe and be a part of that and even share that. Uh, we would greatly appreciate it. It would be a great way to uh, pass around what we go over in biblical discipleship. But yes, today, sort of talking about the end times, uh, you see a lot of spookiness surrounding the conversation. Mm-hmm. It's an entire book of the Bible. And sort of over time, it's developed into a horror story, something right. we're not anticipating, yeah. something we're almost in fear of happening. Yeah. Um, and uh, the Bible is very specific about who should be living for this time and who should be in fear yeah. of this time. And so we're not going to push away or move away from those themes of persecution right. and those themes of rightful judgment, because I don't think you can honestly present revelation. And that's yeah. revelation, by the way, without the S. It's yes. not like Psalms, uh, but revelation without accurately talking about persecution and judgment. It is going to be a very, very interesting time that has been prophesied when Christ returns. Um, And I think uh, it's important to remember that for the believer, it's also a time of hope, uh, you know, a book of hope too. So it's not just bad and scary. If we know Christ, there's hope in that. Yeah, and I can't really attest to what people have experienced when it comes to conversations about Revelation outside the Bible Belt, because that's sort Mm -hmm. of where I was raised, that's sort of where you were raised. But I remember growing up and being a part of these things called judgment houses or tribulation houses. And mm-hmm. this could be foreign for, I know some of the people we have listening in Brazil or Canada or yeah. wherever else. But I hadn't heard until you talked about it. Yeah, these so. are real things, even yeah. in, in the county that I was raised in and both counties I was raised in, even in Duval. And you'd have churches uh, that would hold during Halloween. So, you know, Christians are always really into providing Halloween alternatives. Mm-hmm. Which that's a whole nother conversation. But when we move into that season, we were preparing for judgment day. Um, judgment house or tribulation house for weeks, months. And it was a walkthrough. You'd start at the front door, you'd go room to room, and you'd be hearing or seeing a story unveil in front of your eyes of what would happen during tribulation, what would happen after Jesus came back, or maybe a story leading into Jesus returning 
Or sometimes if it wasn't focused on tribulation itself, it was simply just a house where you'd see what would happen uh, in the eternal, mm-hmm. uh, in heaven or hell or the great white throne judgment room, uh, those kind of concepts that are revealed in more detail in Revelation. I say all that because I can remember a scene when I was 10 years old of a mother and her son. We'd walk into the room. They were at this desk trying to, um, or they were at a video store, and they go to the desk where the clerk is, and they want to buy a video. And the reason they can't buy a video, the reason the scanner isn't working, is because they haven't been given the mark of the beast. It's, he's trying mm. to scan their arm, and it's not going through. And we see uh, someone freak out, and three or four people, all dressed in black, of course, grab the mom and the son, and they bring her over to a real guillotine that was set up. And in a split second, you see this dummy like made of full styrofoam in the place of the mother who has her same like long black hair and it's like strobe lights and sound effects. I mean, they went all out on these rooms, man, to tell you of stuff that we can't predict. Like right. the, the, the thing that came back, even in my memory of it is one, maybe it's not the best way to share the gospel when you're scaring people into salvation. Mm-hmm. Just that's a side. Second, <laughs> we don't know a lot of what's going to happen. And we certainly have limited knowledge of what the mark of the beast is, but yet, and this is our segue sort of in those things we want to discuss Mm -hmm. with you. Why are we as Christians? And this is some introspection here, more fascinated with the things we can't explain over the things that we can explain. When we go over revelation, we don't want to attract those who can't stop with conspiracy theories or those who find, you know, Agatha Christie novels, just their bread and butter. Like that's fine for mystery novels. But don't approach Revelation as something that's just supposed to leave you in mystery, leave you in confusion rather than mystery, because there are some mysterious things about Mm -hmm. Revelation. Rather approach what we know to be true and focus in on those things. Have conversations about the other things, sure. But living and dying and seeing Revelation only through the lens of of things you can explain, that doesn't seem fair. That doesn't even seem accurate. And so what we're going to present in our roundtable tonight is the understanding of things in time errors that we should really avoid as preachers, as teachers, and as congregants who are listening to preachers and teachers go over this book. Maybe some things to watch for and some things to understand. But this sort of all starts with not being Christ-centered. A huge error in Revelation is to forget that the theme of Revelation, just like the theme of the Bible, is about Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. That that's the entire narrative. Why does it do you think we get so far off? on Christ-centeredness when it comes to the book of Revelation. Because we focus about everything surrounding what is the theme, and that's about Jesus. Right. And, uh, you know, uh, Revelation is about, it's kind of the, the, the climax of the story of salvation. And so we start with, uh, we just came through Christmas time where right. we're focusing on the birth. We're heading towards Easter where we focus on his death and resurrection. Mm-hmm. But Revelation is kind of that climax of where uh, the whole purpose and story of the gospel is fulfilled yeah. uh, in Jesus Christ. And so that's why it's vitally important for us to understand it because it's kind of like if we don't dive into Revelation and we don't uh, understand what God has for us in that, f- to me, I, f- I feel like it's like reading two thirds of the story and then missing the ending of the story. Yeah. Um, and it's like, well, how does it end? You know? Yeah. Yeah. To get off Jesus, um, when it comes to the book of revelation is really not to understand revelation at all. 
tomorrow has been won, and it's because Jesus wins. I mean, the whole mm. concept of Revelation is it's a book of consummation. There's a final battle. You're in yeah. spiritual war now, mm-hmm. and so we're not going to deny uh, powers and principalities. That's very real, as the book of Peter even tells us. Yeah. But what we're going to see is that we have a final battle ahead, and because we now know how the book ends, because we now know what to expect if we abide in Jesus Christ. The good news is good news. If we don't abide in Jesus Christ, this definitely becomes much more of a frightening reality. But there's right. some point and purpose to that. We are supposed to understand that because there's a final battle and because Jesus wins, let this book inject courage in the people of God, not rob it of courage. So we have to really understand uh, more than being obsessed with numerology, which we'll get to in a second, and four blood moons. This is the book the whole story of the Bible is headed towards. Through the death and resurrection of Jesus, God's desire is to bring about a new creation from the sinfulness and brokenness of our world. And that solution to sin is Jesus, and he is victorious. So we would be remiss to not start everything with saying, if you aren't preaching a Christ-centered revelation series, you're doing a disservice to the text. I would argue you're not even being loyal to the text. The entire book of the Bible, because it's for our reproof, is is Christ-centered. Yeah, and I I have... Fond, vivid memories of, as a child, memorizing um, the uh, revel- in Revelation about the new heaven and new earth. And just the joy in that when you get to talking about, uh, you know, the, a new heaven coming down and what's in it. And just, just quoting that as a young kid, you know, eight, nine, ten years old. And not the fear that it caused, but the awe and reverence and the uh, amazement of what it was going to be like yeah. when... Christ returned and yeah. made everything the way it was supposed to be. And, you know? Exactly. And when you're teaching this, it's an interesting balance mm-hmm. because we say this a lot. Every fire and brimstone sermon you've ever heard, instead of God's love and God's justice being displayed by the teacher as two sides of the same coin, we have a tendency to go, look, I want hands in the air. I want people to run down the aisles. The only thing that's going to be able to do that is evoking immense fear. So let me be very serious about what things that are going to happen, but let me forget the whole concept of those who abide in Jesus will be safe. Um, so not preaching the return of Jesus for fear or controversy, that was sort of met by avoiding revelation. People avoid revelation because for years people wrongly preached it. Uh, this reluctance really ends up being on the pastors that we have stopped properly proclaiming Christ's return. And instead of motivating God's people by preaching his whole word, we have done what we accuse people maybe through progressive liberalism of doing, which is omit those areas and those places that make people feel uncomfortable. Well, maybe there is some discomfort necessary when the flesh is being challenged, but you do want to make sure that love and the Christ's love more than anything is at the forefront of the book of revelation because he does win. And that is a big deal for those who abide in him. And that gives us then a mission and purpose as believers. Um, it's really revelations should be a call to believers to uh, be motivated to get out and to be on mission where God has placed them. And that leads us into the next common error is that mm-hmm. when we preach revelation, we tend to not call for missions and gospel urgency. Yeah. Knowing what happens in revelation happens, knowing Jesus was clear and that the people of God in the Acts 1, 6 through 8, empowered by the Holy Spirit, we now have this make disciples of all nations. We understand, and I worded this uh, in our first sermon of the year on Revelation 1, 1 through 8. If you want to go back and look at that, that's at Amelia Baptist Church's YouTube channel. But I said, every knee will bow. 
And we have said before, every tongue, tribe, and nation will worship the Lord. We know that to be true, and that's great news. But we also know, come Revelation, every knee will bow. So the urgency here is, let's bow the knee before you're made to bow the knee. Every knee will bow regardless. Let's bow the knee out of a love and adoration of who Jesus is. So Revelation is a perfect mission book. Yeah. Because it's what we're all aiming towards. Yeah. To me, it's the fruit Mm. of the labor for those who have spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. And so we, we have a great, I know everyone wants to sort of end their sermons with missions, a call to missions, a call to change, and even introspection. Where are you in, in your relationship with Jesus Christ? But man, since the gospel urgency of Revelation, don't let the spookiness of Revelation rob you of, of preaching a reality that will encourage people to share the gospel more fervently. And again, getting into um, the distractions that are surrounding end times. Cause we know people are obsessed with talking about the end yeah. times. I was, I was just even recently seeing something about how, um, you know, uh, the chips, you know, in our credit cards and how this is now the new sign of how, you know, the end times are here. Right. And there's been so many, I can think throughout even my, uh, 29 years of life of different things that people said, well, this might be, the you know the mark of the beast or this might be the you know well, well, one world order kind of when style. credit cards came out right that wasn't even uh, attached to your skin yeah or like right. programmed on right. your skin because now it's about like chips inside your epidermic layer yeah yeah <laughs> you know, exactly like that's more mark of the beast right 22 chapters in revelation we want to talk about the mark of the beast right all the time exactly um whether it's you know it's a vaccine i mean yeah. you have tons i mean there's of people a, yes who, and i'm not I'm, I'm making a mockery of anybody's beliefs in one sense but i, I will say there is an unhealthy obsession mm-hmm. with the things that we can't explain we, and i think it's dangerous to to add things into Revelation talks about this. Mm. Add things into the Bible that the Bible never says. Yeah, Revelation is probably one of the most eisegetical mm. books of the Bible. And, that, yeah. and what I mean by that is instead of exegesis pulling out what the scripture says, eisegesis is the one speaking has prerogative. Right. The one speaking has a goal. And he's going to utilize or manipulate the scriptures to say that. And isn't it interesting Revelation says don't add and don't subtract from the last this. things revelation says, right it's, it's in, like it's almost like god knew that john we would knew have and the, holy spirit knew through john yeah the tendency to add to this a little <laughs> yeah. bit you know yeah and so here's so. one of my favorite things um is numerology mm-hmm. uh looking for secret codes as a way to unlock scripture's meaning and what i mean by favorite things is that i personally don't like to do it i, right. I i've given some acknowledgement to the importance of numbers, like even preaching Revelation one one through eight. It's pretty hard when you're doing a paraphrasing of the entire book of Revelation in your first sermon yeah. to ignore the significance of the number seven right. or even the number three. Um, but again, when you have human beings, flawed human beings, who are made up of flesh and spirit, if they are a believer in Christ Jesus, and they become sort of the judge and jury of what signifies relevance and importance, mm-hmm. and you've gone full off the script here, you will end up with hermeneutical nightmares mm-hmm. when you start to try to determine which apocalyptic image is in Revelation. Yeah. I saw something that looked like something. I mean, I was eating my cereal, and when I was done, there was the image of you know this beast with seven heads. What does right. that mean? Let me take a picture of it. It's, it's an obsession with the supernatural in an unhealthy way. Yeah. This is why God's gifted us the authority of the scriptures, mm-hmm. because it keeps us in line. It, yeah. it, it reminds us of our limitations 
with God's promises. God's promises through the word of God are used to remind us what we're not yet going to understand. Mm -hmm. Part of the glory of God, part of the worship of God is that we're not going to get all of God here in this body as this creation. We're waiting for the full unveiling. Right. What's been unveiled to us has been enough for salvation and it's been sanctifying, Mm -hmm. but it will not be glorification, not until we see him. And so I think numerology is one of those obsessions, unhealthy obsessions uh, that we find ourselves in. I'm not saying have, have, don't have any fun near the water cooler. No. I just mean if you're choosing on preaching on salvation itself and what happens when you abide in Christ versus numerology, choose salvation right. every single solitary time. There's a difference between speculating and trying to say, okay, how does this align to where we are now in our, in our life and culture and all that, and saying this is definitely... Uh, you know, the mark or the, the, the number that is going to you know, yeah, show it, us and what and we it, are. It goes, so. Exactly. And it goes a bit more into not just numerology, but basing beliefs on near death experiences. Right. I mean, there's just some serious issues of getting outside the word of God in order to explain the word of God. And we just need to be reminded that God has given us all we need in the word. Um, another error uh, that happens when you're preaching or teaching revelation that we've come to find um, is making a particular view of eschatology. And by the way, if we're ever talking about Revelation, we use the word eschatology. It's just the study of the end times. Yeah. But making a particular view of eschatology a test of orthodoxy, something that is um, definite in the Word of God. While we should seek to understand the clear message of Scripture, we should be cautious about holding which millennial positions people have with the same tenacity with which we defend, I don't know, something like the hypostatic union, Um, the Trinity or the virgin birth, these these firm doctrines that describe the characteristics and personhood of Christ or the Trinity, the Father God and the Holy Spirit, the salvation, process of salvation. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 is a bit higher up uh, on my list of you need to understand this when it versus are you a post-mill, pre-mill, historical, you know, pre-millennialist, dispensationalist, you know, amillennialist. And I want to make sure that those listening understand that we're not saying that this is not important. Revelation is not important. We're talking about it now. We're studying it's it. Incredibly it's incredibly important. It's incredibly important. We're just saying, yeah. uh, don't, you know, uh, this is not one that tends to be like a hill that we're going to say, if you don't believe this, you're not going to heaven. Oh, you teaching, know, kind of thing. Yeah, teaching. Um, I, I plan on teaching the book, so, Revelation. Yeah, I just want to make sure no, that we're right. clear. It's, it's yeah. a very sensitive topic for many, but what I'm trying to, to say, maybe not well, is that revelation is more than your millennial view. The mm-hmm. main part of revelation for the New Testament church to walk away with is not whether or not you're in a 1,000-year reign or whether or not it's coming. Mm-hmm. The goal is Jesus is coming back. I don't care what right. millennial view you have. The end is always the same. Jesus is returning. Yeah. Those who abide in him will win like Jesus has won, mm-hmm. and that is who we need to live for with eternal perspective. So I'm not lessening it, but let's get real, and this right. is what's so interesting. What's motivated and moved you in your life more, First Chronicles 10 or Romans 3? Yeah. Every, everyone who's reading those chapters parallel are going to be like, oh, well, probably Romans 3. And I'm not lessening the importance in one sense of First Chronicles 10 because I know it's the Word of God, which is God-breathed. Everything mm-hmm. has been God-breathed. But when it comes to personal application or knowing Jesus more, there's going to be a difference in scriptures. I mean, that's just the way it is. There's going to yeah. be a difference in context, in authorial intent, the genre, um, so we just need to understand that, that like that, Romans versus uh, Chronicles, First Chronicles 10, mm-hmm. we have an understanding in Revelation to say, okay, what's the main part of Revelation right. for 22 chapters? Yeah. And it's Christ. It's Christ-centeredness. 
So again, you, you see uh, a temptation there to be about the errors and the wrong things in Revelation. Just to kind of list a few more uh, as a help to you listening of what to listen out for. Um, and the reason why this is so important, too, is because I think what, even in our community here in Nassau County, Florida, a community Bible study is going through Revelation. Um, we're going through Revelation. First Baptist Church of Fernandina, our, our sister church, mm-hmm. our friends of ours on the island are going through it. And that was unplanned. Yes. We had not talked about it. And, and I wanted to make sure people realize our fascination, I can't speak for everybody else, but I'm, I'm sure it's not either. Our fascination is not just that we watch the news, things are really bad outside. Mm-hmm. We should preach Revelation. That's enhancing the spooky view that I don't want to. Right. We, we were in Hebrews, First and Second Peter, Jude. We were like, you know what? We've never done Revelation. Uh, in 30-something years of this church. Since this church's conception, we've never done it. And Pastor Neil was going to speak with us mm-hmm. uh, tonight before you filled in, Dylan, and yes. just kind of give that perception and reason maybe why. Maybe we can have him on later to kind of go into detail of why he never felt particularly drawn here. It's not like he never used Scripture out of Revelation. Right. He never did a series in it. It's not like he never did a sermon in it. But a series, a walkthrough, uh, for some of these reasons is because uh, the, the times have changed where I think we can approach Revelation with more uh, maturity as a whole, mm. but also to understand that these errors that we're mentioning, they're very real and they're very common um, among a lot of congregations. Um, part of the error, too, is failing to uh, really remember Jesus did describe the signs of the age. If it's wrong to set dates based on wars or rumors of wars, it's also a mistake to be unsettled by them. And mm-hmm. this goes really back to our other point of not preaching the return of Jesus for fear of controversy. Uh, God's people shouldn't be surprised or dismayed by political unrest and natural disasters. Christ told us they would come. So lean into that when you're preaching Revelation. Don't say uh, this specific thing has to happen and a guy named Nikolai has to come and this is definitely going to be the Antichrist. Don't try to take extra biblical material to translate the Bible. The Bible will defend itself just fine. Christ told us these things would happen and the end times is a lot bigger Mm-hmm. than just maybe the next 20 years. We, yeah. We've been living in the end times for quite some time. Since Jesus went to heaven, we're in the end times. Yeah. I mean, we're head, we know where we're headed. We know what was before. And everything in between that is the end times. And it, I think it's important for us to remember that Christ's return is imminent. Um, and he even said that, you know. Um, and so how are we living? We don't know the exact day. We don't know the exact time that he's going to return. But we do know that he's coming. And we know that it's imminent. Mm-hmm. And that means that we have a responsibility. And it, and it changes the way we, we should be living our lives. Mm-hmm. If we're not, or we are, uh, but with that focus of the imminent return of Christ. Yeah. Um, and it, it was, uh, I think it was John Wesley that I remember reading and him saying, uh, somebody asked him, what would you do if Christ, he was out guarding, somebody mm-hmm. asked him, what would you do if Christ, if you knew Christ was coming back, you know, in an hour? He goes, I'd be in my garden gardening. And that was because he knew his calling mm-hmm. and he knew that um, he was living with that Christ-focused uh, and uh, imminent uh, return of Christ mm-hmm. vision an idea there. So, yeah, that's really interesting. Um, and one thing as we wrap up sort of part of the conversation, uh, in revelation one, one through eight is right in verse three, we see that this is one of the only books where the reader is given a direct blessing. If not, mm-hmm. maybe the only book in the new Testament, probably, yep. um, that is given a direct blessing. If the reader heeds this, mm-hmm. that he will be blessed. Yeah. Um, and I love that part. I love that that's at the beginning of a book like Revelation that has been the source of so much controversy. 
Revelation itself being um, more synonymous with Terminator 2 Judgment Day yeah. or you know, Apocalypse right. uh, titled uh, Disaster Flicks or Zombie Lands, yep. uh, that that is not what this is. That For, for those who are in Christ Jesus, mm-hmm. for those who are, have professed that Jesus is just who Jesus says he is, we are now, because Jesus has finished the work on the cross of salvation, we are one agreement right. away from feeling safe when yep. these things happen. And that, to me, Jesus himself isn't safe in terms of things could happen to you and will happen to you through mm-hmm. suffering and persecution to get your attention and to follow Christ. But he's so worth it and he's yeah. so good. And that is what's shining so bright during the context of Revelation. So yeah, you're going to stumble upon chapters 6 through 16 and you're going to get uh, 21 judgments uh, in s- three different ways, 777. Seven, seven. You're going to get a lot of things that will lead you into the temptation of looking further than you have to. And I'm not saying not to study the Bible in depth. But we don't need to be distracted when we're studying yeah. it. Looking further than what the Bible gives us. As, Inter- as entertaining. Or, oh, there's a great way of putting it, and we'll close here. Uh, one of the one of the guys I was talking to about the book uh, told me, you know, it's interesting. People are spending their entire lives trying to figure out when Jesus is coming back. And he goes, in my personal life, I've found it to be true that it takes every minute of every day I'm here mm-hmm. to obey Jesus. Mm-hmm. And to me, that was eye-opening as I, as I study and read. I mean, I must have, I, I've read 10 commentaries on Revelation just to get a great big picture of it, right. even the slightest difference. But yet, at the end of the day, if I'm not bringing that text mm-hmm. back to Jesus wins and Jesus saves, then I'm doing an incredible disservice. For those abiding in Christ Jesus, Revelation is not spooky. Right. It's uh, full of hope. Full of hope. And I think if there's anything we need now, it's not a spooky book on the end times because times are crazy. It's the remembrance and the understanding and the promise of God, more than just the word of man, the promise of God. That as bad as things get outside, as much as the culture changes, Jesus will never change and his promises he will always keep. And so yep. let's move forward with that. Um, we are glad to be back in the round tables, man. We hope that you guys uh, will subscribe and pass these on and, and share them with your friends as we talk about the word of God and every time try to talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so it's a joy for us to do. Uh, we hope you are enjoying it as well and to know that uh, we love you, but more importantly, uh, God loves you. And I'd be remiss to say to pray for this man across the table from me who yeah, February 6th uh, yes. is being married to fifth. the beautiful Miss Emily. The fifth. Uh, the fifth. Is it? Oh, no, that's right. Because Sunday is the sixth. Yeah. You're being married the fifth. That's right. Uh, and uh, travel to Texas. We're heading to good old Texas for the wedding. Yep. Another, Why it's a another free state <laughs> in the United States. All uh, right. Texas, who people think is its own country. Yes. We're at even Texans. But yeah. no, we're, we're <laughs> pray for him as we travel out there. Uh, that'll be fun. Maybe we can even do a live round table <laughs> from your wedding. Like I'll just There's so many up. possibilities. <laughs> All right. Just, I, think we're, I think we're going to be in the back. Yeah. And yeah. He wants to wrap up now. Time for us to wrap this round table. <laughs> we are glad you guys are listening and we are happy to be back for another season. Clay, take us out. Thank you.